into the word this morning, let's start with prayer. Father, we know that you send your word to heal. You send your word to make well. You send your word to make whole. And Father, as we begin this new year, I pray we do so with a new attitude. And Father, that we would refocus for 2021. And Lord, I pray that I would do the word that you placed in my heart justice, that I might communicate it well. And Father, that you'd give your people ears that hear beyond the words and hear what the Spirit of grace is saying to this congregation this morning. You know, at the end of every year, the leader of our nation is called upon to give what we have come to call the State of the Union Address. And what that State of the Union Address is, is basically a list of accomplishments and trials that have been overcome. Today I want to ask you a question, what is the state of your vision? What is the state of your vision? As I said earlier, I had already scheduled another voice to bring a message to you, and I know it would have been a good one. But in a time of prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I had to. Emphasis on had. I had to be the voice. And this had to be the message. And um, <clears throat> this is something that the Lord spoke to me in prayer. And I wrote it down so that I could communicate it properly. This is what the Spirit of Grace said to me. Many are going into 2021 with fragmented, altered, and even shattered vision. That must not be true of you, exclamation mark. You must come out of crisis with your vision intact. I'm going to repeat that because this is not just me. This is all of us. Many are going into 2021 with fragmented, altered, or even shattered vision. That must not be true of us. As a congregation, as a family of faith, it must not be true of you. As servants of the Lord, business owners, entrepreneurs, you must go into the next year emerging out of a year of crisis with your vision intact. Today I want to help us keep the vision, our hopes and our dreams intact. And, and when I use the word vision, I need, to, I need to lay something out because in the church we have this tendency, and I think it, we do so because it makes people think we're ultra-spiritual. We tend to over-spiritualize everything. And when we use the word vision, we communicate it in such a way as though we had fasted for 40 days on the top of the highest mountain, and that the angels had broke forth and we encountered a, a burning bush and the Lord bequeathed upon us a vision. On, and, and, and when we communicate it that way, it leaves the majority of the church going, well, I'm visionless. Because they've never sat for 40 days atop a mountain and heard a burning bush and angels speaking and all these other things. And, and so when I say vision, please be, feel free to interpret it as dream, goal objectives the point is this whatever we call it that our life is focused on achievement because see if we're going to walk by faith faith always achieves faith always produces 
a faith that never produces change in our lives is not biblical faith. Biblical faith is not inactive. Biblical faith is not passive. Biblical faith is aggressive. Biblical faith makes a change. Biblical faith encounters darkness and doesn't say, Kumbaya, my Lord, whatever will be, will be. I guess the darkness will consume me. No, no. Biblical faith encounters darkness and declares boldly, Light be. Biblical faith goes into hardship, into ashes, and declares beauty, joy. You understand what I'm saying? Biblical faith does not submit to its environment. It overwhelms its environment. It comes into an environment that's not conducive to our vision, our dream, or objectives. And it uses the power of the living God to change that which is into the way it ought to be. And see, if we come into a new year with a broken attitude, we will emerge out of this year with broken lives. Because according to your faith, be it unto you. So I want you, this is the reason why I'm saying, if you're listening to me here in person or you're watching, please hear what I'm saying. The people of God are obligated to be visionaries. We're obligated. Having a vision doesn't make you special in the kingdom. It makes you normal in the kingdom. Because the people of God have always been dreamers. The people of God have always been those folks who see what no one else can see and who talk about things other people can't even conceive. That's because we have the all-creative one living within us. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah, Father. I need to stay on point here. For some, refocusing in 2021 will mean, listen to this, will mean you need to pick up the pieces and Holy Ghost glue them back together. Don't leave them fragmented. See, crisis is part of life. Every life. Crisis, listen to this. Crisis is a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. It's normal in life. The Bible never paints a picture of a life without crisis. James, in the, the Apostle James, in his book, very first chapter, second verse, said, when you encounter various trials. For years I've, I have said, I wish he would have said if. Because if he had said if, I could have latched my faith on the fact that I'll never have a trial. Because if he had said if, then that means it doesn't have to be. There's the opportunity of no trials. But he did, the Holy Spirit, coming through James, said when. When you encounter various trials, don't give in, give up, and get out. Count it all. Joy. See, I'm going to spend a few moments on crisis, but what I want to tell you is crisis is absolutely in every life that encounters it. It's a time of change. But it doesn't have to be negative. It can be positive because in a time of crisis, if you maintain a godly attitude, then you will, rec- you will come up with creative solutions to the crisis. 
But if you give in to it, you just subdue and you submit to it. It's all about the attitude we have. You understand? But it's not abnormal. If you're going through something, welcome to the human race. I have said to you before, life is a full contact sport. In fact, in, in, in the history of humanity, only two have ever made it out of this thing alive. And they just got temporary reprieve. <laughs> Y'all here. So don't think it abnormal. Now, here, here's the thing about crisis. Once again, I'm going to stay on point. Crisis, all crisis is meant to be temporary and short. That's what it's meant to be. All crisis is meant to be temporary and short. If you can recall last March 2020, approximately mid, I tried to find out exactly when it started and I couldn't. I know it started in about mid-March. We were told that we could flatten the curve with a 15-day shutdown. That, that would mean we're on approximately day 290 of a 15-day shutdown. I'm going somewhere with this. <clears throat> and the crisis has been on all fronts and has taken on many forms. Some people entered into 2020 with high hopes that their business would have the best year it ever had, and they got shut down. Some had just taken out brand new loans because their business was increasing, and then when it got shut down, they were stuck with loans they couldn't pay back. Some entered into 2020 with whole families and have lost loved ones. This has been a crisis that has been prolonged. Now, here's the reason why I want to say this, because there's, there's something that happens in a crisis if we're not aware of the opportunity to count it all joy and come out of it stronger. There are many that get addicted to the crisis. They get addicted to crisis. And they learn to identify with crisis, and even when the crisis ends, they'll fabricate another one. And, and this is when it becomes debilitating. And I'm going to use this as an illustration because of what I'm going through right now. That there, I'll say that we, my wife and I have prayed every day for healing. And every night I've taken a pain med. Because it's the only way I could get to sleep. Now the thing with pain meds, we all know this, if you're injured, that injury's meant to be temporary. Right. Praise God, it ain't meant to be lifelong. But in that temporary crisis, if you're not careful, there are a great many people that get addicted to the pain meds. And that which was meant to provide relief in the midst of the crisis now becomes a lifestyle. And they will injure themselves to get more meds. You understand? And in the spirit, it's the same way. There are church people. Instead of going from victory to victory and from level to level and faith to faith, they go from crisis to crisis. Because even when the crisis ends, they create a new one. And, and then the reason they create a new one is because they're afraid of living with vision. Because vision obligates you to the pursuit of it with passion. But if you can, if you can manufacture your own crisis then you can use it as an excuse to have no vision. And they live their whole lives in crisis management instead of vision pursuit. But God has called you and I 
as partners with the kingdom to be visionaries, to have objectives, to have goals, to have something we're seeking to accomplish in life that is going to make humanity better. Spread the light. Increase the overall wealth. If God gives you a vision to launch a business, he's giving you, now hear me when I say this, he's giving you a vision of a vehicle to change your community. He's not just giving you a vehicle that's going to buy you a luxury car. He ain't interested in your luxury car. He'll give it to you. That ain't no big deal. It's just a trinket. But the business, the whole, the kingdom purpose of the business is to change the, the economy of the community. Because you hire 10, you hire 20, you hire 2,000, you've changed their lives. We need to go into this next year refocusing. Here's what I want to say to you. This is my prayer as we get started. All of this was just laying the groundwork. This is my prayer. I prayed this over every one of you yesterday. May the vision of your hearts replace the limitation of your eyes. I want to say that again. May the vision of your hearts replace the limitation of your eyes. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and I'm going to read this to you out of the English Standard. Is this okay this morning? The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. It literally means without a prophetic, redemptive vision, the people go whichever way they please. They do this, they do that. Time means nothing. If a day comes and a day goes and they accomplished absolutely no thing, it means nothing. But where there is a prophetic, redemptive revelation, The people live focused lives. Now, here's what I want to hear. I want you to listen to this. Your vision redeems your life. Your vision. How many of you know the Bible talks about redeeming the day? Redeeming the time. Right? How do you redeem the time? It, it, it means you don't abuse it you don't just let it go you don't let time be idle you listen you and i the bible says god gave everything the time it needed to be beautiful to produce god has made everything beautiful in its time miles monroe unwrapped it wonderfully it means it literally means god has given you the time necessary to do what he called you to do he has not shorted you not one day he has given you the time you need to live a beautiful life to fully bloom and fully produce but in order to do that, you and I have to live redemptive lives. We redeem the time. It's your vision that gives your life focus. It's your vision that redeems your life. Because with a redemptive vision given to you from God, every moment has meaning. Do you know and do you understand, and I know you do, that time is the most precious commodity you have. Time is more precious than that money in your pocket. Because if you spend money, you can get more of it. You think you won't, but you will. But the one thing when you spend it, you will never redeem it back. You'll never get it back, I should say, is time. 
Vision brings focus and it redeems our lives. Vision motivates the discouraged. Vision inspires the discouraged. It inspires the depressed. Your vision does this, and listen, I want you to hear this. You have one. You have one. For many of us, we've allowed life to beat it out of us, or we've allowed religious people to convince us that's only for special people. But you have one. Your vision has to do with your purpose, and each and every one of us have a purpose. Listen to this. In the kingdom, no one is insignificant. There is no worthless, meaningless Christian. Not one. Every life has significance. Every one of us are born with a purpose. None of us are a mistake. Every, listen, it's no mistake you were born in this time at this epoch in humanity. Because God knew he needed you. Because there's a problem that exists in this generation that you are the solution to. You and no, and that is your purpose, to be the solution to someone's problem. Some people think their purpose is to be a problem. But not kingdom folk. In the kingdom, you and I were born as God's answer to a human problem. Mm. And you, listen to this, you know your vision. I've been in this thing called ministry long enough now to realize each and every one of us know our vision. We know our purpose. It would be unjust of God to give us a purpose and then hide it from us until we're 90. That would be unjust. That we would spend our whole lives walking in circles looking for a divine purpose that is, that is essential we fulfill. But God takes great delight in playing hide and seek with purpose. God don't play games. Can I say this to you? Your life is not an experiment. Your life is not an experiment. You, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And he does not hide from you your purpose. In fact, almost every child on the planet knows their purpose. It's just as we grow up and we're told, quit being such a dreamer. Be a realist. That our dream is beaten out of us and hidden under layers of responsibility. Before you were ever born, God knew the problem to which you were divinely crafted to be the solution. Everyone say this. I am wonderfully made. You've heard me say before that there's three things we need to know if we're going to serve God successfully. You've heard me say this, and you'll hear me say it for years. We must know who our Father is. And know that your Father takes great delight in your prosperity, not your poverty. He takes great delight in your wholeness, not your brokenness. God takes great delight in doing good things. You must know who your father is, and that takes some research, that takes some prayer, because God, unfortunately, has had historically one of the worst public relations firms in all of history representing him. That's the church. 
Because we presented him as an angry judge. We presented him as a mean-spirited monarch. What we've not presented him as, a loving father who loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son not to condemn the world, but through him that the whole world, the whole world, every man, every woman, every tribe, every tongue should find salvation. That's love, man. We need to know who our father is. And then also we need to know how great that love he has is for us. See, if you know the love of God, you'll never, never be beat down by your environment. Because your environment, listen, you, you realize when you're going through a trial, and you're going through a storm. I was sharing this with somebody the other day, I don't, that there's always two questions the devil will ask you. Every attack you've ever gone through by the devil, he'll always only ask you one. He'll, he might word it a little differently, but these are the two questions. You ready? Say, I'm listening. He'll ask you, did God say? Because that's a, that's a full frontal assault on the vision, the dream, the objective God gave you. Did God say you would be a poet? Did God say you'd be a singer? Because it'll seem like you'll never get there. And so he'll question, did God say? Then he'll also ask you, who are you? If you're really a favored son of God, do you think you'd be going through this? So he will question your vision and he'll question your identity. That's all he's got. If you know who you are in Christ, you can answer that question. And if you know how great his love is for you, you can answer that question. You see, if you don't know the love, is this okay? This is a rabbit. If you don't know the love of God, then what you tend to do is look at your environment and judge the love of God for you based upon what you're going through. But if you know how great his love is for you, you don't use your environment to measure the love of God. You use the love of God to judge your environment. And you know that if God loves me as much as the Bible says he loves me, then this too shall pass. Amen. Mm. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. I didn't start my clock. What a way to start the year. That must be a prophetic sign. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, reading it to you out of the New American Standard. Here's one of the keys to a whole vision. While we look not, everyone say look not. Other translations say while we see not. I like that. How do you see not? Hmm? While we look not at the things which are seen. How do you not see that which is seen? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. I don't see what I see, but I see what I don't see. Everyone say faith. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That word look in the Greek is the word skopio, and it's literally where we get the word scope, microscope, telescope, 
rifle scope. For those of you watching, this is not an assault weapon. Please save the male. It's a scope. All scopes serve exactly the same purpose, and this will help you understand this verse. When you look through a scope, all you see is what the scope focuses in on. Everything else fades away. Wow, some of you really need to fix your face. Eddie, Mary Kay, bro. <laughs> okay, I'll take the rebuke for that one. I love you. When you're looking through this, here's the point. Everything else fades. All you see is what this is, is a tool to help me focus. Everything else fades away. And see what, if we're going to be people of vision, we've got to stop focusing on what can be seen. This is, because a lot of people, you know what they're focusing on because when you talk to them, what do they talk about? What their environment is. And this year, Christians have talked more about COVID than they are the goodness of God. It's gotten to the point where my wife and I, when we go into a meeting, she'll say, don't talk about the COVID. That's right. Why? Because we're focusing yeah. on what the devil's doing. We focus on what the government's doing. And our vision shrinks. And we lose focus on what God is doing. The redemptive realities of God in our life because we have scoped out what can be seen. And what God says, if you're going to have vision, you've got to refocus on the things that cannot be seen. This is exactly, how many of you ever heard of this man called Abraham? Abraham is presented for all the world as the father of faith, the model, the example. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that Abraham considered not some things. There were some things that Abraham was aware of, but he didn't focus on. The one was he didn't focus on the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't say, now baby, God would if you could, but you can't, so God won't. He didn't focus on the fact that his own body was 100 years of age. Look in the mirror and say, dude, you used to be something. I get so tired of people telling me their age. Why are you so focused on that? Come on now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start meddling. As people of God, we're obligated to be dreamers. That dream obligation does not end when you hit 60. You're not free from the obligation to dream because you're 80. You're not free from the obligation to dream because you're 90. If you and I would be people of vision, God can give you a child at 100. You understand what I'm talking about? He can give you the manifestation. There's no time limit. 
The only thing that prohibits God from doing it is faith, vision, the ability to see those things that normal people don't see, to focus on those things so that when somebody asks you, how you doing, you talk from here, not out here. They may not understand it, but you don't need everyone. In fact, they ought to misunderstand you. If ungodly people understand what you're saying, then you're talking their language. You and I, as kingdom folk, need to start talking kingdom language. How are things going? Man, I am too blessed to be stressed. I wake up in the morning and I encounter good things. God blesses me all. I am ready for a miracle. Something good is going to happen to me today. Well, that makes no sense. Well, it would if you learned to speak my language. So the Bible makes it very clear. Quit focusing on what everyone else sees. And start focusing on what only you can see. Because God placed the vision within you. Talk life, not death. Talk pover- I mean prosperity, not poverty. Talk breakthrough rather than confinement. Hallelujah, Father. Listen, sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. Your future, my future, does not lie in what's ahead of us. Once again, with age, my wife and I, this is kind of like our soapbox. We talk to people that are barely older than we are. And they're just, well, you know, pastor, you got to understand, I'm 60. God's done with me. I just, I'm looking for, I want to be an old fart on a golf cart. That's your ambition? To let gas go while you're driving around? That's what God created you for? You gotta be kidding me. What happened to your vision? What happened to your dream? Well, someone told me I was old and you believed him. What's wrong with you? Whose report will you believe? We say it, but do we mean it? I will believe the report of the Lord. And his report says he will renew my youth. He will give me the ability to climb mountains even at an old age. Caleb was 80 years old and he said, listen, bro. That's in the New Living Translation. Listen, bro, you better give me my mountain. Because I'm about to do something you ain't never seen another 80-year-old do. And if 20-somethings get in my way, I'll take them out. See, you and I, we should never. I mean, I bet. Listen, 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 listen. I have told people before, and this is going to happen a great many years from now. I'm going to be preaching. Pastor, how are you going to die? I'm going to die in full health. If the Lord tarries, I'm going to be preaching a humdinger of a sermon. Y'all are going to think I fell out on the spirit. And you're going to be waiting for point B. And eventually someone's going to say, he ain't moving. I ain't going out decrepit. And neither should you. 
because you and I cannot avoid getting old, but we don't got to get decrepit. One, God, even, listen, oh, come on now. If I didn't have this boot on, I'd be running your chairs. Death ought to catch us doing something. Death ought to catch us by surprise. We ought not to be waiting on it. It ought to catch, and we ought to say, no, 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 you got to give me five more minutes because i got one more pair. Shut up. i got one more thing to do. Because with a long life, he'll satisfy us and show us his salvation. But you and I must never surrender our vision, our dream, and our objectives. Mm. Don't let some virus from China take it from you. Well, pastor, my business closed down. Build another one. Hallelujah, Father. Our vision, our future is not what lies ahead of us. It's what lies within us. This is the reason why time, chaos, and crisis cannot damage your vision. Because it's in your heart. Have you ever wondered why the Bible says above everything else you guard, guard your heart? Why? For out of it flow the issues of life. Your life is not what's going on around you. Your life is what's going on inside of you. Hmm. Vision, listen to this, vision is a conception, a concept, an imagination that is inspired by God in the heart of a human. Can you see it? Can you see your life in a bigger way? You've got to be able to see it. I had a spiritual father tell me one time, you'll see it in the spirit before you'll ever occupy it in the natural. But a lot, a lot of God's people are sp- visually impaired. If we were visually impaired in the natural, we would seek healing or at least glasses. But many of us, we go through life totally content with no vision, no dream, no objectives, simply because something happened or someone said something. If you're visually impa- impaired spiritually, There's healing for that. And you're getting it right now. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. I thought this would be short. And I'm only on page 2. Isaac, listen to this. Isaac, long before Abraham ever held Isaac, Isaac was a concept. He was a vision. He was an objective. He was a dream. And I already quoted, but I want you to see it out of the modern King James. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. For he who beyond hope believed on hope. See, Abraham had no reason in the natural to believe it could ever happen. And many of us are that same way because of age, environment, circumstances, or we just think we got no supporting cast. Can I say something to you? If you attend RLC, you've got a supporting cast. We believe in dreamers. We believe in visionaries. And we will never deliberately hurt your faith. For he who beyond hope believed on hope for him to become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so your seed shall be, and not being weak in vision. Same thing. Not being weak in vision, he never gave up on Isaac. He did not consider his own body already dead. 
or the deadening of Sarah's womb. He did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham, listen, Abraham was not scoping himself out in the mirror and saying, well, I guess the time is over. He had to focus, listen to this, then refocus and make sure to keep in focus the promises of God. Because I'm sure there were some days when Abraham looked at that full-length mirror he had in the tent. He probably said, God help me. I ain't the man I used to be. And God said, that's okay because I didn't need that man. See, listen, can I say something to you? If the vision has not yet come to pass, there's still an appointed time. Delay is not denial. It just simply means God didn't need who you were last week. He needs who you are right now. He had to refocus and then make sure to keep in focus the promises of God. Listen to this. Vision will always require faith. I want to say that again. Vision will always require faith. Kingdom vision will always require God-like faith. If you can accomplish what you think your objective is without a lick of faith, meaning you can do it with what you know, who you know, and what you have, then either you've got the wrong vision or you've got it economy-sized. I think for most of us, it's that we got the right vision. We just economize it in order to make small-minded people comfortable. I want to say that again. Many of us, in order to make small-minded people who inhabit our lives comfortable with what we set out to do, we economize our dream. Because every time we have shared pool, swimming pool-sized dreams with pea-sized-minded people. They've bucked it. They've downplayed it. They've criticized us for it. And so over time, we learn to make our dream fit their reality or their faith. Can I encourage you that it's better to get them angry than disappoint God? I think most of us, we have the right vision. We've just economized it. Yes, and what we need to do is kingdom size it. Yes, sir. I, can, I, I can almost feel that percolating. Kingdom size it. If God is your partner, this is what D.L. Moody used to say. If God is your partner, then dream big dreams. Make big plans. If God is your partner, then why do we set our life on something anybody can do? Anybody can do that. If a sinner can accomplish it, then why? you're not believing for the impossible. Our vision ought to require people we don't yet know. It ought to require more time than we think we have. I heard Andrew Womack say one time that in order, he, he grafted out, in order to do what God had called him to do at the pace he was running, he would have to live 160 years. When he realized that, he, 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 he became keenly aware, I got to give this thing to God. God and I got a partner. 
And when he let, he, he took the limits off of God, he accomplished it in two years. What would have taken 160 years by natural means, God did in two years. Is this okay? Our dreams ought to be impossible. We ought to dream such big dreams, it's going to take our grandchildren to accomplish them. Hmm. The people of God, I've already said this, but the people of God have always been the true visionaries of the world. The dreamers. The imaginary world, of, listen to this, the imaginary world of what could be is more real to them than the concrete reality around them. It's a, you know why, can I, can I chase another rabbit real quick? Do you know why so many of us find living by faith, walking by faith so difficult? Because we've allowed people to make us adults. When the Bible says you need to become like children. Do you know what the one hallmark of all children are? A vivid imagination. Every child has a vivid imagination. And it's a remarkable, if you'll draw similarities between faith and imagination, they're the same thing. In fact, the ancient Jews, the sages of ancient Israel, used to say that imagination is the seat, the source, the center of all creativity. That God himself, according to the ancient Israel, God himself created out of his imagination. He saw that which could not be seen and he spoke it and it became. And see, then as, when, as children, listen, as a child, you give them a block of wood. I know, I was one of these kids. You gave me a block of wood and I was playing on my grandma's parquet floor. That block of wood was a Ferrari. Candy apple red. 450 horsepower. I used to drift. It doesn't matter how poor a child is. Their imagination has the ability to transport them from the horrible realities that surround them into an imaginary world where mama and daddy aren't yelling at each other and they have enough food to eat and everything is bliss. Then we come into the kingdom. God says, I want you to live by faith. And we say, what is that? God says, I want you to see things that can't be seen. And you're like, I can't do that. You could do it when you were a kid. This is the reason why he says to become like a child. And when you see what can't be seen, I want you to say what you see so you can have what you say. Wait, wait, wait. y'all. When you see... What can't be seen, I want you to say what you see so you can have what you say. Hmm. Listen to this out of Romans chapter 4, verse 17. I'm taking just a few. I'm not reading the whole thing. God. Everyone say God who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. And the Bible says we're to have the God kind of faith. God doesn't do things in what the world would call a normal way. Have you ever noticed that? He'll take silly things so he can confound the wise. He'll take people who seem to be inconsequential and of no significance and make them world changers. Yes. He'll, take, he'll take a peasant shepherd and turn him into Israel's greatest king. Yes. 
He'll take a baby born in a crib in a feeding trough, actually, and make him the savior of the world. God doesn't do things in a normal way. The world has a normal way of doing things. And that presents both a pro- listen to this, that presents both a problem and an opportunity to you and I, because we are not created to be normal. So if the world does things a normal way, the opportunity is I can do things in a supernatural way. <laughs> we were created to live by vision, by faith, by what we see on the inside. We were designed by God to stand out, not to blend in. Listen to this. When God paints the portrait of your life, he doesn't paint in pale pastels. God doesn't paint the portrait of your life to blend in and be just like everything else. When God paints the portrait of your life, he paints in bright neon colors. Because he wants all the world to see. Doesn't the Bible say that we are meant to be epistles known and read of all men? When God paints the portrait of your life, he wants you to be so spectacular that people look at you and don't understand you, but they stand in utter amazement at what the Lord has done in your life. Because you were born in normal circumstances, but you're living a supernatural lifestyle. Mm. Don't ever allow anyone or anything, including including a year-long pandemic, to cause you to think of yourself as ordinary. Just an ordinary man living an ordinary life, married to an ordinary girl, living in an ordinary house, paid for by an ordinary job in an ordinary way. Where's the thrill in that? No wonder that old song said the thrill is gone. God doesn't want us doing it in an ordinary way. Why can't you pay off that? Th- Do you know the word Martin? We got, don't you know the word mortgage means under death? Because the world's it's designed to keep you in debt forever. Why can't you and I pay that thing off supernaturally? Why can't you and I believe God to so bless us that one day we can pay cash for a whole house? And when you go to pay cash, they don't even know what to do. They're like, wait, well, we ain't designed for that. That ain't normal. Say, well, baby, you ain't dealing with someone normal. I gave up normal 20 years ago. I quit being normal when I gave my life to Christ. I'm supernatural. I'm extraordinary. I'm weird. Hmm. Listen to this. I once heard it said, if you have no vision, God cannot bequeath you provision. Because, listen to this, provision. And that's what we all seek. Provision is designed by God to fulfill vision. Just like, listen, faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you have no hope, then faith has nothing to give substance to. (laughs) Hope, what is hope? Well, we covered it a couple weeks ago. It's expecting, earnestly expecting a favorable outcome in every situation, in every meeting, in every opportunity. He makes even your enemies to be at peace with you. I expect not to be defeated. 
I expect a favorable outcome in everything. And when you have this hope, now faith has something to rally around and give substance to. But if you have no hope, then faith has nothing to do. Nothing to give substance to. If you have no vision, then there is no reason for heaven to provide provision. Because provision is meant to fulfill vision, and vision is a magnet to provision. The, 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 the clearer your vision, the greater the flow of provision. It's an unstoppable principle of the kingdom. When we walk by vision, we will always have the pro for the vision. Dr. Miles Monroe once said, when a person doesn't have a vision, they have no other option but to live life by their eyes. Without a vision, we must depend upon natural means to get by. Now listen to this. It's not about the grandness of your vision. Your vision doesn't have to be a multinational conglomerate for God to make you rich. Your vision could be a trash truck. A trash truck. And God could make you a billionaire with a trash truck. He's done it. Just like we have a ministry of helps, many people have a vision to be of help. And I know he won't appreciate me using him as an illustration, but I'm going to do it anyhow. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. One day, and it was a hot summer day, in this building, it's hot in the summer and it's cold in the winter. And I came in here and Harold was up here and he'd been chasing down wires. <clears throat> and he looked like Albert Einstein. His hair was everywhere. He had a, uh, uh, who was that lady in Greece? Olivia Newton-John. He had an Olivia Newton-John headband on, the sweatband. And he was sweaty. I mean, he was beyond sweaty. He'd given up sweaty a while ago. He'd gone straight to funky. <laughs> and I looked at him, and he was up here working, and I said, Harold, thank you. Thank you. And he looked at me. He said, Pastor, he said, it's my honor. This is what God's called me to do. And Sister Fowler's the same way. Sister Fowler will be up here wee hours of the morning doing things so that you can be blessed on Sunday morning. And she, she just told me this morning, I'm in my sweet spot. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. See, it's not about the grandness of the vision. It's the fact that you're pursuing the vision, and that opens you up for a provision, and that gives your life focus. Don't miss what God called you to do. By Brother Hagin used to say many times, people miss the supernatural and looking for the spectacular, and it's the same way with vision. Well, if my vision, that's mundane, all I'm doing is fixing wires, God can't bless me. Oh, ye of little faith. Hmm. These may seem, listen to this, these may seem like small things, but listen to me when I say this. The Bible is a book that records the stories of people who did little things that the world can never forget. Like letting down a rope out of a window. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. The Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I'm bringing this to a close in about an hour. <clears throat> hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
but a dream. Remember what I told you? When I use the word vision, feel free to put in dream, objective, or goals. But a dream, a vision, an objective, a goal fulfilled is a tree of life. As we begin, our vision may be much smaller than being a prophet to the whole world, a CEO of an international conglomerate. Maybe our vision is a car that runs, a bill that is fully paid, or a child that is healed. We need to have an objective. Years ago, when my wife and I were in missionaries, I was invited to preach at a conference. And so we got on a train, and I think we stayed on that train for about 12 to 14 hours, getting to Koshalin, thereabouts. And when we got there, we were going to be preaching at this conference, and we got to this conference, and it was held in a dark, damp, cold, concrete warehouse. And, but it was a great conference, but we were sitting on plastic chairs in the northern part of Poland that if you sat down too fast, these were those flimsy beach chairs, if you sat down on them too fast, all four legs would go out different ways. And even if you were a little bit heavier than the chair was allowed, they would begin to buckle. And man, they froze your hinder parts. And... The pastor knew, we, my wife and I were recent graduates of Raymond, so therefore that made us faith experts by default. And, and the pastor had a dream. He wanted to build a church that would really make a change in his community. And, but he was talking to me about the frustration that he couldn't get his people to hook up to a dream because of where they were worshiping. And I remember telling him, well, I, I said, what is the thing that you want to do? He said, I'd love to have a bookstore that could sell faith-filled materials. And at that time, we were printing all Hagen's books. And he said, I would love to fill it and populate it with Brother Hagen's books so my people could learn the principles of faith. And he said, the only space we have to do it is on the other side of this wall. But to get into that space, you got to walk all the way around the building. And, and if it's cold, nobody wants to walk all the way around the building to get to the door that's on the outside to get into here. And, and I looked at him, I said, is that the only, the only thing separating you from that space is that wall? He said, yes. I said, then knock a hole in the wall. Knock a hole in the wall and present a vision to your people that one day we're going to have a beautiful door in that, in that hole in the wall. I said, faith should always have an objective. Faith should always have something it's pursuing. And it doesn't need to be a big thing. It can be something as small as a hole. Are y'all listening to yes, me? Sir. A hole in the wall. Yes, sir. Many times you and I have failed to pick up the hammer that God gave us oh, because we're waiting for the structure to be built. And maybe what you and I need to do is knock a hole. Yes, in the wall. We want to fight Goliath because Goliath will get us to the throne, but you ain't never killed a lion or a bear yet. Kill something. You understand what I'm saying? Kill it. Kill it dead. It's been vexing your family for five generations. Why ain't you killing it? Everyone in your family's died before 60. Why ain't you killing it? Why are you permitting it? Your children wake up every night with nightmares. Why aren't you casting that thing out of your house? Kill it. And you kill this and you kill that, then you're ready for Goliath. And then I told him, I said, I said while you're at it, if you're just living by faith, why don't you uh, believe God for some chairs that ain't so cold and won't crumble when I sit down? And the next year we came back. And there was a door. 
in the wall. And 50% of the church had new chairs. And I, I told this young man, I said, I said, never let your faith wane. Go from one project to the next. Present it to your people. This is what we're doing next. Give them something to put their faith into. And before we left Poland, that young man had turned that warehouse into the nicest church in the entire nation outside of the Roman Catholic Church. It was the most beautiful Protestant church in the nation. See, if you and I will be people of vision, and I'm not done yet. I still got to, I told you another hour. But this is what I want. If you will latch onto that vision, there shall nothing be impossible to you. For the people of faith, if you will only believe in the impossible, then the impossible becomes possible. And when it's possible, that means there's nothing impossible to you. You could be the first person in the whole genealogy of your family to do it. Man, this is blessing me. I once read an article of a man named Louis Armstrong. You all ever heard of Louis Armstrong? Louis Armstrong, a, a world-famous jazz musician, had, listen, had a vision of being a musician from childhood. He applied to go to a music school when he would, keep that up there, keep that, keep Louis, yeah, I like Louis. I want you to see this. Because in the age he came up in, you know the obstacles he had to face? You know the obstacles this man had to face? But he had a vision. He went to a music school. And they gave him the standardized normal test. He had to be able to sing certain notes. I imagine it was do, re, mi, fa, la, sa, do. He couldn't get past do, re. He could only do two notes properly. They, the experts in the musical world, told him, be realistic. You'll never make it as a musician. They kicked him out of the school and told him, go be a janitor or something. Because that's all someone like him who looked like that could be in those days. Be a servant. And he walked out of that meeting. He said, this is what he said. He said, there's music in me and they can't take it. There's music in me and they can't take it. He ended up being one of the most popular musicians in history. What's inside of you? And have you allowed them to take it? Simply because they were the experts. Have you allowed your environment to say you'll never do it? You can never achieve it. You can never be it. See, you and I got to have something on the inside. Something that is so precious we never let them take it. Oh, they'll try. They've tried to take it from everyone. Everyone who has ever accomplished their vision has a story when some expert told them they could never do it. I remember T.D. Jakes shared a story. I'll bring this to a close shortly. T.D. Jakes said that when he was still an unknown preacher in West Virginia, he had a dream of taking Woman Thou Art Loosed and going on TV with it. And so he sat in front of the experts. I'm going to tell you, some people, just because they got degrees, don't mean they got an open mind. 
narrow-minded, narrow-sighted people. They told this man of God, you ever heard of T.D. Jakes? Yes, sir. Good night. When I close my eyes and I want to preach like someone, I want to preach like T.D. Jakes. They told him, you're too fat, you're too black, and you talk with a lisp. You're not fit for television. There was something inside of him, and they couldn't take it. Don't let them take your vision. Let this be the year of renewed vision. Refocus if you have to. Pick up the broken pieces if you have to. Get Holy Ghost super glue and put them back together. Don't say, well, pastor, I've been through too much. Don't tell me your excuses. If you have no other potential but this one statement, but God. I don't have the ability, but God. I don't have the time, but God. I don't have the resources, but God. Mm. Listen to this. This is the last verse. Psalm 105, verse 37. When the Holy Spirit gave this to me, I didn't even know how it would fit. The Bible says, Then he brought them out with silver and gold, and among his tribes there was not one who stumbled. It literally means there was not one who was sick. There was not one who faltered. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's God's will as we emerge from one season into the next, we have no sickness in our midst. And that means even a sick heart. But pastor, I've been through a horrendous year. Well, bro, welcome to the world, man. We live, this past year is so crazy. I, I recently heard one guy say that his son, he, he was always, his son was always coming home with the same girl in his arms. And then one day the son showed up and the girl wasn't there. And the daddy said, hey, where's your girlfriend? And he said, daddy, I had to let her go. She went full 2020. <clears throat> he said, what do you mean full 2020? In this, this kid's world, I don't know if this is a common thing yet, but 2020 has taken the place of cray cray. Because 2020 was such a crazy year that in this young man's vernacular, he was saying that I had to let her go, Daddy. She crazy. She went full 2020 on me. Dude, listen, every one of us have had to go through the same year. Let's not let it make us full 2020. Let's say that in 2021, nothing broken, nothing missing. Everything that this year tried to strip from us, God will restore to us. And that our best days are not behind us. Our best days are ahead of us because our future is based upon what lies within us, not what goes on around us. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Hallelujah, Father. We're going to pray this together and then we'll bring this to a close. I want to tell you that at RLC, we ain't letting go of nothing. We had to sit down with our planning committee and we had to scrub some things off the calendar. But we're not going to let crisis become the lifestyle. And we most certainly are not going to let crises become the norm. We're going to be staying focused on building an army and not an audience. And that's going to require that each and every week when you come, I give you motivation, inspiration, and information, education.
so that you're a well-armed force to go out into the world and make a difference. We ain't changing nothing. We ain't losing ground. We ain't losing momentum. Don't you lose it. So lift your hands to the Lord, and this is what we're going to pray. Father, your word is sure. It's established. And you gave me a covenant of shalom. Nothing broken. Nothing missing. And that is what I pursue. I ask you, Father, by the Spirit of grace, the Holy Ghost, to give me a clear vision again. Make my heart burn to do one more thing. And then when that's accomplished, one more thing. And Father, I will pursue the purpose of the kingdom for which I was born with enthusiasm, with passion. In Jesus' name, I will go through every trial with a smile, knowing that this too will work out for my benefit. In Jesus' name. Now shout to the Lord like you mean it.